Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Sportlight Podcast. On this week's Sportlight Podcast, we sit down with Dr. Sheldon Martin, Doctor of Behavioral Health. We've had him on this program many times. As we've been writing our new book that's going to come out this next year, we have been doing a lot of research on how parents and coaches could use sports as a tool to help young people develop in healthy ways. And so we run some of that research and pick Sheldon's brain about some of the principles that we found, things that parents can do that are beneficial with sports, and things parents and coaches can do that sometimes are detrimental. We hope you enjoy. Welcome to the Sportlight Podcast for parents, coaches, and athletes. The Sportlight refers to the time in an athlete's life when they have increased ability to affect the culture around them and the increased opportunity to learn life's lessons through sports. This podcast aims to help parents and coaches capitalize on their athletes' precious time in the Sportlight. The Sportlight Podcast is brought to you by Especially for Athletes program. How are you, Sheldon? I'm great. How are you? Doing good. Thank you for taking time to do another podcast with us. You've done some in the past with us. It's been a while. And so we thought we would take time and kind of do another one on the mental health aspect of sports. And there's a few questions that we really wanted to pick your brain about. We've been writing our new book together and we're we're doing a new version of our book making it a little bit more robust and i've been reading some peer-reviewed articles about a certain subject just to get some background and find some really good quotes but but the subject is what are some things that parents can do to use sports as a tool that's something that we talk a lot about Mm -hmm. um is that sports is a tool for development it's not about you know, necessarily all the outcomes or all the accolades that kids might get. But but if we view as parents and coaches sports as a tool to help kids develop, then we'll look at sports the right way. So I wanted to do a little research in that area. And I did some research, just reading some articles about some things that parents can do to use sports as a positive tool in order to help their young people develop into the best version of themselves. And then also some things that parents sometimes do, some ways they act in sports that become more detrimental than helpful to their kids. So overall, sports has a very positive impact. We'd all agree with that. But sometimes the way parents use sports, it becomes a very negative thing toward their kids. And so, so maybe we'll start with with the positive. Let's let's lead off with the positive. So I I read a few articles. Here's a few of the things that impressed me, I guess, the most from from those things. Things parents can do to make sure that sports are a positive, um, lead to positive outcomes with their with their kids. So one of the things that a number of articles mentioned is that sports helps young people to learn to set realistic goals, mm-hmm. and that if parents help their young people set realistic goals. Here's here's one of the quotes from that. Parents should encourage their children to set achievable obje- objectives and acknowledge their efforts and improvements along the way, reinforcing a sense of accomplishment. But what are your thoughts on that from a, a doctor of behavioral health and a, and a mental health professional just that idea of using sports to help them learn to set realistic goals and then also just concentrating on those achievable objectives and, and accomplishing a sense of it or um, reinforcing a sense of accomplishment. Well, I think it's, it's uh, absolutely true. Um, and the best way to approach this is the more small and tangible you could make the goal, more short term, uh, the better. And sports has a great way to do that. So there's a very famous psychologist right now. Everyone's probably heard of uh, Jordan Peterson by now. He, he gives a lot of famous, you know, kind of podcasts and came on the scene for uh, some famous lectures he gave. But he has this concept, for example, called clean your room. And, and the idea is this, when someone's life feels chaotic, 
Um, it, it can feel like, where do I start? Life feels too big. It feels too overwhelming. And so his concept of clean your room takes a chaotic world and makes it very tangible in something that's very immediate and right in front of them. And they can bring order to something that is uh, when life feels chaotic. Well, short-term goals are the same way. So the best thing that athletes and coaches and parents could do instead of saying something like hey sports are great let's let's win the state championship well in the middle of july it just seems so far distant uh that that it's hard to to even get a benefit out of that Mm -hmm. but you can take that and make it very short term what what could we do this week what what could i do uh, today, what what could I do this month? And it it feels like you can gain momentum. You can start to get positive momentum in in life, and then it spreads. Right? It has a ripple effect that you can set some really short term goals in other areas of life as well. So I I think that sense of achievement and accomplishment, especially in the short term. Uh, has a real big impact when when you add those days up together. Yeah, I've heard it said before that like it's okay to have a goal like win a state championship. That might be the vision, but then you need to have a tactical plan. Mm-hmm. And that is that tactical plan will help us to have a sense of achievement, right? So, okay, I want to win a state championship, but I'm one eleventh of my football team, <laughs> for example. Yeah. And so that's not within my control. And there's other people who are bigger, faster, stronger. That's not within my control. But there's the end vision, right? Mm-hmm. Or I want to, I want to start on my football team. Yeah. And then when we say, okay, that's the destination, but I need to make some tactical plans to get there and to break it down to things we could do every day, every week, every month mm-hmm. to, okay, I'm going to wake up early. I'm going to do this many push-ups, I, or I'm going to lift. I'm going to set these lifting goals. Then even if we don't make it to that, let's say we don't start, we had a goal to start as a linebacker on our football team, but then we don't make it, but we have been accomplishing these tactical plans, it's still going to build self-esteem. We're still going to learn that, hey, I can set out to do something and I can stick to it and I can build strength. They're going to see themselves. No kid who lifts is not going to see themselves getting stronger. And so they're going to see that progression, that growth, and that's going to build self-esteem, whether they make it to that end objective or not. The tactical plans help them to build confidence. Yeah, that's exactly right. So confidence, when you think about it, the way that it's built is it it's sometimes a difficult thing to to measure, right? Like, oh, how do I know if I'm confident or not, or or arrogant, or is that too far or that? But all confidence is is when we start to gain um we start to believe that we have the skill set to manage a certain scenario. Mm-hmm. Right. That, that's how confidence is is built. And so you think about that. You, you think, OK, if I do get bigger, faster, stronger, if I do spend extra time learning plays, if I do take extra ground balls, if I do shoot extra free throws, I, I have I'm building a skill set that I start to have an ability to manage a situation um, if I'm put in that situation, right? Yeah. And so people that experience low level of confidence and and often doubt themselves, either they have a skill set that they don't trust that they have built, or they haven't built a skill set. They really they really are put in a situation where they feel very unprepared and confidence can go down very quickly. And so I, I think that it's extremely important that you have those small-term goals and, and you start to build the competencies, the skills that are going to be needed if called upon, if you will. And then that way, it's still within your control and it builds a lot of confidence within a person. Yeah, you and I have a cousin who has a young a son who's really, really good at basketball right now. And, you know, it's funny. We were having a conversation. We were sitting at a baseball game having a conversation. And he was talking about how this parent came up to him 
and said, hey, how can, how can my son shoot as good as your son? Like, what do you guys do? And our cousin's response was, well, you need to rewind eight years <laughs> and you need to put up 200 shots a day right like like he has and and that when we that's why he walks onto the court and he's so confident i mean for eight years almost every day he's got up hundreds of shots yeah and and so sometimes we want confidence without earning confidence i think confidence is something that's earned by setting those work those uh short-term goals that are more based upon what we're going to do what's within our control what we can do yep. than just an end destination, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure you also read in in the literature something another concept you'll get to that confidence is also connected to growth. Yeah. Right? If I start to see myself improving, um, that gives me a higher level of confidence that in other areas of my life that I haven't given the time yet to. But the, the, the same process is going to play out again, right? Many right. times, I think this is what uh, you and Dustin emphasize so well in your, in your program, is the reason sports can translate into so many other areas of life is because you can start to line up and see that if I apply the same energy, effort, and discipline I'm going to experience the same success that I'm experiencing as an athlete so that when people, you know, our age no longer are out as in competitive sports, but we see those same lessons uh, playing out in other areas of our life. Yeah. And, and it has given me, I think the best education I received growing up in LA County, California <laughs> was sports. That was the best. I mean, the things I rely on more are things my coaches said, my dad said, that the lessons that I learned, the times when we were running 50-second drills. Do you remember 50-second drills? Yeah, yeah. We had to run foul pole to foul pole and back in 50 seconds. And if every member of our team didn't make it, then we had to run it again. And the coach had control of the clock, and you never knew if he was being accurate or if he just wanted us to run more, right? But yeah. I remember just feeling like I couldn't go another step. I couldn't do it, but, but I would, I did it anyway. And it was like those lessons of moving past what I felt was comfortable doing things when I didn't want to do them, being on time, being disciplined. We had a great coach mm -hmm. there, you know, uh, at our high school, um, especially when I was playing as a sophomore and junior, just a man emphasized discipline coach Bothwell, emphasized discipline he was just a dignified disciplined man and he instilled that in in the whole program and so it's a great education if we use it the right way and that that was the first way you know helping with goal setting tactical plans coming up with uh, helping our kids experience a sense of accomplishment not just not just winning right um but uh, accomplishing progression and, and that goes to the next one and maybe it's we've already talked a lot about this but but one paragraph that stuck out to me parents can support their children by emphasizing skill acquisition providing appropriate training and promoting a growth mindset where mistakes are seen as opportunities for learning and growth and i know you know with your background this concept what would how would you define a growth mindset Growth mindset, I would say, is best captured by kind of the probably the researcher that that first launched. I would consider that a lot of it's attributed to Angela Duckworth and others, but I would I would go one step further to her mentor is is Carol Dweck, and Carol Dweck had this concept of not yet, and so she uh, did these fascinating studies with children in the most underprivileged and underperforming uh, schools in kindergarten and first grade. And they got rid of grades uh, in a sense of it wasn't just, oh, pass, fail, and now let's do the next test. They just did this concept of not yet. So they get a math problem wrong. Hey, not yet. Let's do it again. Not yet. 
let's do it again. Not yet. Uh, by the end of that year, those children uh, in the in the one class they were looking at ranked number three in the country on their on their math and language skills when they were the bottom ten percent uh, to begin the year. And this is what kind of led into this growth mindset, this concept of not yet, like failure is part of the process. Mm -hmm. And so a fixed mindset is I'm going to start once I'm good enough. Growth mindset is I know I'm not good enough. I'm going to keep trying. And so I think that that sports is one of the best venues that someone could use to develop a growth mindset, right? The idea of it's not just failure. The, the goal is not to fail. Um, everyone's going to fail. The The goal is to the, have the ability to keep trying. Yeah. And, and, and to keep, to keep going. It's not yet. I'm not quite there yet. I've got to keep reaching. And so that is, uh, if someone gets that concept in life, their mental health, their confidence, their ability to manage situations is, is just unbelievable. Um, Shad, I've often told people this. I don't, I've had people push back when I've said, I, I, I don't think I'm smart. And, and I know this isn't like a pat on the back, but you know me well enough. People are like, wait, come on. Like you, you have a doctorate degree from, from Arizona state. Now tell them, I, I know I've been around smart people. Like, um, that was never me. But the one thing I think that I did well at with school was I just kept going. I <laughs> just kept trying. I, I just, I just kind of kept reaching and, and kept making efforts and, 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 and pushing. And I don't think I was ever. Uh, you know, top tier or anything like that. But all of a sudden, looking back over two decades, that mindset is what made the difference, not because I had a really high SAT score. It was just that I kept trying. Yeah. And so I think that is where that mindset is so important in life. Does that make sense? Oh, totally. And and Sheldon, if you're uncomfortable with me sharing this, like uh, I think it's good for people to hear this, especially parents with kids that are a little bit younger. And but I remember, you know, you and I are brothers. If anyone hadn't put that together, you know. Um, <laughs> But I remember when you were young in school, first of all, you were very young for your grade, yeah. right? Because you had an August birthday. And so there were some kids almost a year older than you. Yeah. But you had to go to Chapter Lab, which yeah. was a, a, place, mm -hmm. a resource where they kind of helped you catch up with the other kids. And a yeah. lot of people don't see you now and hear you just, you know, quoting off. Uh, you know, well, a lot of people attribute this to this person, but it's actually her mentor, this person. And then, you know, being able just to off the cuff, talk about these things. And they, it's, it's good for people to hear sometimes. Sometimes we hide those things, but it's good for people to hear that, no, like Shel Dr. Sheldon Martin, who's doing a lot of great things for many organizations right now, he started out in second, third, fourth grade going to resource and chapter lab where they were helping him learn to read better and do and do some math better. And now he's has a doctorate degree. And I, I think that every now and then we hide those stories. And I know you never would, and you don't care about me sharing that no. because, because, you know, you have just stuck in there. And, and I think sports really, really helps with that, that it's this skill development, this growth, mindset. I had this experience uh, just a couple of days ago. I I upload all my phone pictures to Google Photos and every now and then it will send me this text and it will say, oh, here's a little memory. And I got a memory from three years ago when we signed up our daughter Clara for summer tennis for the first time. Mm -hmm. And I was watching it. Now, this is after she had had a little bit of a just a tough practice, uh, but now she goes to a, a 
tennis club and she didn't move up. They have do these things where they advance uh, through the levels uh, in a given day if they win little competitions. And she hadn't moved up as much as she liked and was a little mad about that. That night, I get this just very fortunate reminder and I'm watching her play tennis and oh my gosh, like <laughs> she's not where she wants to be right now. But after three years of really hard work and practice, it's like night and day. I mean, it was a person five feet away from her when she first started bouncing a ball to her and her sometimes hitting the ball, sometimes not <laughs> to now playing where someone's like rocketing a ball at her. And she, you know, can calmly sit there and return the ball. And, and it's the growth was so amazing. And it was fun to sit down and to show her like, Hey, do you want to see yourself playing tennis? And not knowing that it was from three years ago when she first started. And we sat there and laughed at, she was like laughing at herself, like, Oh my gosh, I couldn't even hit the ball. But I don't, you know, if, if I hear you correctly, and what the research is saying is taking those moments to honor the growth. Who cares? She plays for one of the best. Next year, she's going to play on one of the better teams in the state in tennis. And so her ranking among the school might not be as good as it would if if she were at another school or whatever. If I keep concentrating on those outcomes, like, okay, are you going to be number one junior varsity, number two, or doubles? Or are you going to be varsity? Or... When we concentrate on that stuff, then our kids can feel like they've failed when they've progressed so much and learned so many lessons. And so if I hear you correctly and the research reading it correctly, it's promoting that growth and showing our kids the growth. It's so easy nowadays with cameras and stuff to show kids like take a picture of them then take a picture six months later look how much muscle you've put on you know and as they feel that growth it fuels their confidence that they can achieve things yeah i i think that's so well said and and maybe i'll use a sports analogy or some examples to illustrate again i know this is beyond being good at sports but just think there's a there's multi millions of dollars that go in to try to gauge how good people are or how good they can become before they're drafted, right? Mm -hmm. The growth mindset thing is the hardest one to really understand, um, right? If if they fully if we fully understood it, Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers wouldn't have dropped in the draft. Kobe Bryant wouldn't have dropped uh, a few mm -hmm. spots, right? There was this element that we sometimes call it a chip on the shoulder. All that. Now, that's a sports analogy. But really, when, when you get down to the root of it, it, it was growth. Like, they, they did not focus on what people are saying I am. I'm going to focus on getting better. And now not everyone's going to become what they became as athletes, but in life, that is a really important lesson, right? Like, oh, I didn't get this job. Okay. What do I learn from that interview? How am I moving forward? Oh, I didn't, I'm, I'm not doing the things I want to do in life. How do I learn from this? How do I move forward? The people that just can do that, that can gather the failures and move forward they end up being successful regardless of usually where they end up. Yeah. If if kids can learn to stack days, you've heard that phrase. Yep. Yep. Right. Because most of what we need to become in life is not going to happen by a short burst of excited yeah. activity, right? It's, it's the day after day stuff that gets us where we want to get those daily habits that get us where we, we want to get. And so it, Kids who continually stack days and those Kobe Bryants of, of the world, he stacked day after day after day after day after day. When other people were resting, he was not resting ever, right? Yeah. And so that's what he be, why he became what he did. I, I just did our last podcast. I went through and listened to all the professional athletes that we have, we have interviewed. 
And I was thinking of one principle that we have of win the hour mm -hmm. and go back and listen to that. If, if any of you haven't listened to that one, but all of these guys, Eric Weddle, Tyler Hawes, Peyton Henry, uh, Wally Joyner, like we went through and just every single one of them, there was one abnormal attribute that they had. I'm sure they were gifted, mm -hmm. but they were crazy with their work ethic. I mean, yep. every single one of them, Tyler Hawes, good example. You know, he, he would go and every single morning he had a shooting routine. Then he'd eat breakfast. Then he had a dribbling routine. He had put in two hours of basketball before anyone else really started. Mm -hmm. um, before they had put in any hours. Now that's fine one day, but he had done that for years. Now all of a sudden we arrive at high school where people want to be good, but they're six years behind. <laughs> you know, Peyton Henry was talking about he used to lie to his dad. And tell his dad that he was going out with friends because he was afraid his dad would think that he was living an unbalanced life. And he would go to the hitting cage at Pleasant Grove High School here in Utah. And he would take a change of clothes and he would change and hit off the tee or off the machine there. And his dad would come and discover him and be like, Peyton, what are you doing? I thought you were out with your friends. Oh, I just didn't want you to get me in trouble for for words that's like i'm not going to get you in trouble you know and then you just had all these people eric weddle had put in four hours as a professional eric weddle isn't built much different than you and i and dustin mm -hmm. how in the world did this guy become an all pro safety i mean he's a freak athlete i know that part of it but as far as size and weight and everything he had put in three hours before anyone else arrived at the training facility the whole yeah. time he was a pro. And so it's like, if if they can learn that lesson, they might not become a professional athlete. They might not even become a college athlete. They might not even make their high school team. But if they get those attributes and they learn what it, what it feels like to stack days and feel growth, they're going to be, they're, they'll be able to apply that to other areas of their life like you've talked about. So absolutely. So, awesome. Uh, here, here's one other um, that it that it talks about that parents they need to allow autonomy mm -hmm. um, for sports to be positive. And, and here's a phrase there: granting children autonomy in sports decision making enhances their confidence and self esteem. Parents should encourage their children to make choices, solve problems, and take ownership of their sports-related decisions. Fostering independence and self-belief builds confidence. And yeah. so we could see that there's many opportunities that sports would allow for this to happen. But what are your thoughts on that? There's this uh, process that they'll often talk about, whether it's school or sports or, or that when, when a child especially, but even into teen years, when there's learning, when they're learning something, there's this process that uh, when you have a mentor or a coach or a parent, and the process is I do, we do, you do, right? This idea of just hey, you do it, and they don't have any concept of what you want them to do yet. That that is not good. But the reverse is also true. I'm going to do. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to give. You know, I'm going to micromanage this. They, they never get to that full growth. And, and I would use that kind of that mindset a little bit to what can sports do. It's, hey, I do. Let me show you what to do. Now, we are going to do this. Let's practice. Now, when it's game time, you do. When it, You know, certain times, you do it. And when someone is able to feel like I'm doing it, like I know what to do. It builds this confidence, and that's what autonomy is, right? Like, I have the ability to make decisions in my environment and make choices, and sometimes they'll be wrong, but I'm I'm doing. I'm going to be doing this. And so I would – I think sports is a, a great uh, environment for that setting of I do, we do, you do. Um, 
you, you know, I, I think you've been around a lot of great coaches, and I'm not suggesting that great coaching does not happen in the game. But I, at least from my observation, and I think there's some exceptions to this, but a lot of great coaches kind of you do when it's the game, right? <laughs> this is the famous uh, Steve Kerr story from a few years back with the Warriors. Remember, they, they just, they, they were not pulling it together. This was when they were at the height of how good they were. And he just gave the clipboard to Draymond Green and went and sat down. <laughs> just like you, you, you guys do it, and 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 they did. Uh, they 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 really turned it around in this game, and that he was able to kind of say, "I I'm not getting through. You guys, you take the autonomy, you own this, um, and you pull it off." That type of trust builds a lot of confidence in young people. Yeah, I like that. I do. We do. You do. Oftentimes, um, maybe this is a good time to transition because I wanted to talk a little bit about some things that parents do that make sports not a source of growth, but a source of frustration or even it it kills confidence in kids, the way they handle it. But, um, you know, so my question that was in my head that would kind of go to this negative side of things uh, is what are some things that parents do to violate that I do, we do, you do? What are some ways that they step in so that, you know, allowing autonomy is not a a thing that's happening? They're, they're kind of micromanaging their kid. I mean, I I think of one example, and that is when a kid's not playing or they feel like they should be playing more. The parents are the ones talking to the coach for the kid, handling those situations instead of just telling them like, hey, I, I can encourage you. We could talk through. We can even work through this and I'll pretend to be your coach if you want to practice having this conversation if you're nervous about it. But ultimately, you're the one who's going to have that. But but this this idea of violating that and how that could be negative. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, you, you know, sometimes you use that phrase, kind of living through the the child a little bit. If you use that "I do, we do, you do" type thing, let's let's transition that a little bit and say, let's say it's an older athlete, junior, senior in high school, and not getting the playing time that they think they deserve. Um. And a parent, and I'm not talking about extreme examples. If a coach is really, you know, ballistic or uh, or abusive, as we've talked about at times, I'm just talking about just a good old fashioned. The kid's not playing as much as they want. Yeah. Um, if a parent says, "Oh, I'm going to go talk to that coach," um, I might ask the questions of, "So, are you going to talk to their bosses? Or are you gonna, are you going to talk to their university professors?" Are you good? When when do you want your child to take the you do approach? And I, I think you used a great example, Chad, to sit down and say, "Hey, do you want to you want to talk this through a little bit? You want to practice saying what you might say to your coach?" Yeah, and, and we'll we'll just run it through a couple times, but but you need to go do this. You you need to talk to them um, yeah. if if you would like to or. If you don't want to, you need to live with not talking to them, but you need to do this. I think that is healthy. What's negative is, you know, the old remember the Titans scene, right? Where the dad's coming in with the newspaper and throwing it down on the coach's desk. And he was all player of the week twice last year, you know, his <laughs> yeah. dad. And, and the kid, if you remember that movie, the kid was kind of knew like yeah the other guy's better right like it was the dad who was so upset it was a reflection on him it was a reflection on so many other things and so i think that becomes negative for a a child uh, or a teenager when it becomes more about the parents than the growth of the child well and i think that for the majority of us Okay, a kid who's not being considered for playing time is most likely not going to go on and play at high levels after. I know parents might think yeah. that, 
Okay. But if there's any debate about whether your kid's playing in Pony League or whether or not your kid's getting time in high school, most likely sports are not their complete future. Does that make sense? But the lessons can be as valuable from the bench as on the field if the, it's handled the wrong way. And so when when parents cross this line and they're going to go and they're going to get their kid more playing time, I think it's almost a delusional view that you are keeping my kid from having opportunities. No, they're not. Like, I'm telling you right now, like, if there's a debate about whether they should be playing in high school or not, it's probably not going to happen in college, right? I mean, there's exceptions, but it's probably not going to happen. And so if we can view situations as opportunities for growth and how to handle situations, how to learn disappointment, how to build resilience, if we look at sports that way, then it's a lot different than if we look at it as an opportunity for our kid to be seen, it's almost like we attach sports to too many other outcomes, that uh, popularity, opportunities, these other things, instead of just viewing them as that that tool. And there's a lot of it's it's easy to get caught up in that trap. I'm not saying that I've never got caught up in that trap. That I'm sure. not sitting there watching a kid in a dance performance or playing tennis, and I'm not attaching all this deep meaning in their life to the outcome of a of a junior high tennis game yeah right it's easy to do but it kind of gets us out of balance when we do that and so that can affect their confidence right yeah it does and i've told young athletes this before i've said listen at some point this road of this sport or this activity is going to end even if you're the greatest in the world right like at some point that that road sometimes ends for people in high school sometimes it ends in college post-college but even professionals are going to retire. At some point, this activity ends. But when is the activity going to end when you have to talk with someone that you have a disagreement with? Like, it, it doesn't. And so if we start to view sports as, like, this smaller microcosm of, of like, the bigger thing in life, like talking to someone about playing time, boy, that's a real-life skill. In fact, I don't know. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a coach, uh, you, you know. But if I had a mature kid come in, I'm not saying I would give them playing time if they did this, but if they came and said, Coach, can I just talk to you just for a minute? Listen, I, I I would really like to do everything I can to get on the field. I recognize you're making the best choices that you feel. Um, I just would like to know, is there something I could do? And I want to do those things. And I'm not asking you to give me an opportunity that I don't deserve. My goodness, if I had a teenager come in and have that, all of a sudden... I'm trying to help them, right? Like I would not look at that as a negative situation. Their maturity alone would just raise them in in my eyes. And so I think it's a skill that uh, could be practiced through sports. Awesome. Awesome. There's a few other little things, ways in the research that parents are um, having a... Uh, ways parents are acting that end up having a negative impact on their children, sports being a negative impact. Let me let me just rattle off a few of these. Give me a few sentences for each of these. I, I would love your thoughts. An overemphasis on winning. Yeah, so an overemphasis on winning is a dangerous road for this reason, is that the, if the only success is winning, then you start to win at all costs. And that's not the way life works. So winning at all costs is not healthy, actually, um, right? It, it can lead to dishonest behavior. It can lead to really negative behavior. Um, but also winning at an overemphasis on winning uh, means that everything else is a failure. Um, all the growth, all the efforts, all that, right? And many times in sports, we know the ball just doesn't bounce your way one night. And that doesn't mean that anyone did anything wrong. And so it's it's an unhealthy view of the way life is, right? The only way I'm going to be successful in this job interview process is if I get the job. Well, you're, you're just going to miss out a whole bunch of opportunities to learn. Yeah, awesome. Okay, here's number two that they okay. gave. 
unrealistic expectations. Yeah, unrealistic expectations. What's healthy, uh, unhealthy about that is the exact opposite of the short-term achievement we talked about earlier. Right? If it is an unrealistic expectation or a high-level demand that is is just too far-reaching, then it leads to the feeling of why try. If, right. if all it is is a failure, then why try? Yep. And then this might go right along with that. One way sports become negative in the life of a child is when parents give constant criticism. Yeah, um, I would, as a parent, find every single thing you can validate because the sport itself learns how to criticize the athlete enough. And Sheldon, I, I know this, I've been to your house many times, but just to remind people, I mean, you're a doctor of behavioral health. This isn't Sheldon just throwing out opinions here, <laughs> even though your opinions, I would love to hear them, you know. Um, you have a, a family motto that goes along with that, with what you just yeah. said. What's your family motto? Don't be average in attributes. Yeah, don't be average in attributes. You have a big, or this this little plaque in your family, um, you yeah. know, and and some goals like that. But I think that that constant criticism is also focused on that first one, an overemphasis on outcomes or winning, you know, attributes. There should always be attributes that you could complement hard work. And and if those things are off, then that's a time to sit down and right. have a talk, right? That's right. But not outcomes. Awesome. Um, okay, here's another one that makes sports negative. Living vicariously through their children. The research shows that's very negative. Yeah, the re the reason that is 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 uh, it's the my my favorite quote from psychology, which I've shared with you before, but maybe not on the podcast. Is we often think that we're looking out a window, but we are looking into a mirror. Um, and so, parents who are living vicariously through their children, whether they realize it or not, uh, they are living out the insecurities that they face as a child. Now, I know I hear some people be like, push back at that, but that's what's happening. Um, that living through their child is trying to overcompensate for the insecurities that they feel. So maybe they didn't accomplish as much as they wanted, or they weren't as popular in high school as they thought they should have been, and they have resentment towards those who were. And yeah. gosh darn it, my kid, I'm going to show all of you what my genes should have done. You know, yeah. and, and they put that pressure on their kid. Yeah, or, or they they really were successful, and they thought that the only reason that they that they gained like this confidence in life was because of that sport. Like they they can't even see within themselves that there was probably a lot of other variables as well. That's interesting. Yeah. Okay. Number the fifth one, most common one that came up in the research, is lack of balance and downtime. That that when parents <laughs> are so passionate about their kids' sports that there's a lack of balance and downtime. It could be negative in the life of the child. So interesting. When you shared all of those professional athletes and the stories about work ethic earlier, that was really fascinating. It was driven by the athlete. That I, I think that is one of the most fascinating things. Um, when it's driven by a parent and there's not balance, uh, performance will actually decrease in the area that they start to resent. And there's a reason why a lot of great coaches all throughout this country look for multi-sport athletes. They look for well-rounded people, right? Uh, there's a reason why people say, wow, Patrick Mahomes is such a creative quarterback because of his background in baseball and playing shortstop the way he can throw the ball i i think if you overemphasize one thing you actually can limit the the growth in the very area you're trying to emphasize so so balance um when i think of balance i don't like tightrope balance tightrope balance means oh everything's just right and that's not the way i don't think life works i like balance when i think of the guy at venice beach spinning the plates mm -hmm. right um how do they stay balanced which one do you focus on the one that's wobbling so there'll be a time 
when sports is really dominating, right? I mean, just it's it's it's, it's all consuming, maybe. Um, and then there's a the time just to go hang out, go to the water park, go fishing, go do something different. And and I think that that makes it healthier. Yeah. Have you read the book Atomic Habits? Yeah, yeah, I have. It, it was so. This goes back to you know something you said reminded me of that when it's parent driven or i mean it's um athlete driven versus parent driven mm -hmm. because he talked about how every now and then we as parents get this like vision for our kids like this is what they'll be good at like this is what i did this is what they're going to do and and he talked about how there has to be this period of discovery in life where we start to realize that there are certain things that when we put, we have to put less energy toward in order to accomplish more than other people. <laughs> I don't know if that makes sense or not, but like, yeah. like my, he gave an example and I forget the runner's name, but it was a very accomplished, um, long distance runner. He had short legs, big torso, big lungs, you know, kind of a thing. And, and uh was shorter very lean very you know and and he ended up being this marathoner that still has all these records right and then you have michael phelps michael phelps short relatively short legs big torso you know long arms six four he's like built to be a swimmer and yeah. and the example that he shared is what if what if these two switched? I think I said short legs about the runner. I think it was long legs, but anyway. Um, but what if they switched? Like, what if their parents would have said, Michael, you're going to be a distance runner. Now, yeah. because of his innate gifts, he probably would have been okay, mm -hmm. but he wouldn't have become Michael Phelps. And same thing with this short little runner that set all these marathon records. And he talked about the importance of giving ourselves the autonomy and parents giving their children the autonomy to try a bunch of things, especially when they're young, especially like now we're having this, this time where parents are feeling like they're getting behind if their kid isn't playing travel ball from age six on. Right. Yeah. And, and, but he's talking about, no, actually that's the time period you know, from from six to preteens and th until you're going into high school, man, play every possible sport you can. And you might discover that there's one that you love enough to work hard at and that you're just more naturally gifted than other people. And and then you could put time and effort when it counts toward those things. And and I think sometimes when we micromanage and it we live through our child and, and we do those things that we're talking about, we pigeonhole our kid into an area where maybe their gifts and talents and even physical makeup don't allow them to flourish the way that they would have had we just allowed them to participate in whatever they were interested in and try all of these things and, and let them find their place instead of feeling like we're constantly being behind boy i tell you if, if there was and i'm going to have a lot of people push back at this and i'm probably they'll they'll use examples as to why this isn't the best way to go but i still have an opinion i guess chad i think if there was something i am most grateful about our childhood and i, and I actually think i wish more children could experience it is our mom and dad they would go down to the Palmdale Parks and Recreation Office and whatever the season was, pay their $20, and we played that sport. <laughs> we wrestled, we swam, we played basketball, we played baseball. We, I mean, volleyball. If, we golfed in a tournament. Do you remember that? I mean, <laughs> yeah. I still I think, got wrong. I think the, the youngest age was 12, and I was like nine, and mom and dad were like, go ahead. <laughs> and I was like, with you. I mean, it was just we just did all these kinds of things yep. and we kind of naturally found what we wanted to do. But I look at that and, and I actually think that was one of the best things to learn. Yeah. I, I learned a lot from swimming. It was, I didn't like it as much, but I mean, I, I was, I was okay at it, but I, um, I learned something from it and, 
I think, like you said, there are so many parents who feel like, oh, they're going to be behind, using an earlier phrase, they're going to be behind if they don't start at a certain age. Just remember that, like, there's transferable skills. Like, what they're behind on is not the the, the specific skill set maybe for that sport. Um, there's transferable skills, work ethic, growth mindset, and uh, yeah, and they'll learn coordination from a variety of sports. Uh, that type of thing, and 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 then when the child finds what they love, that and they choose it, that's when all of those things kind of go into super drive you want your child coming and saying please don't make me do all those other things can i just do this then then you kind of start to know that they're found their thing if you're the one saying don't do all those other things only do this then then it's probably a little premature yeah that's great advice and i i loved you know even things like i remember throwing really hard as a 12 year old i mean you know where it was hard for a lot of little leaguers to hit me and i realized the difference between me and other kids was i swam (laughs) (laughs) your muscle development was probably further along i I had muscles like that the other kids hadn't developed because if you throw a ball that many times you're going to have a sore arm but that many strokes in the pool you know it wasn't like that it rarely had sore arms when i was swimming and all those things and so there's all this cross training that goes on even footwork at shortstop well you know basketball really helped with that you know and and there was all these things that yeah you just as long as they're active and doing stuff and i love what you're saying because I know you have a, a son who's probably going to play college football and, you know, he came to you at a very young age and he was like, I want to lift and I want to play football. Right. And that was a hundred percent him. I mean, sometimes we both wish that we would have been more involved in his decision maker because he would have been a, <laughs> he would have been a great third baseman, but he's um, built for other things too. Yeah. 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 But, um, but just that, that idea of it being, give them the autonomy let them make decisions, help them understand consequences, you know, um, but, but, but really give them the autonomy and don't get all up in their, their business and, and trying to live through them and all those things. I I think that makes a, a big difference when it comes to the outcomes that sports make. So, well, Sheldon, thank you so much for having this discussion. We really believe that sports are a tool that can help our young people to develop into the, into the people they're supposed to become and and the best version of themselves and and so being able to pick your brain a doctor of behavioral health to just kind of run these things here's some of what the research has said get your ideas on it i think will be very beneficial for parents to hear so we sure appreciate you taking the time to do it you bet you bet all right well thank you everyone for joining the Sportlight podcast we got a few really exciting episodes coming up a few roundtables that we did with college coaches and former athletes and and it was a it's going to be wonderful that'll be airing in the next couple of weeks here so watch for those to come and we're excited for the fall to be coming we're excited to be getting out we're going to have some larger events this fall that we'll be inviting people to and really look forward to those so so keep an eye out for those on our social media pages like this share it and as always keep your eyes up and do the work This has been the Sportlight Podcast from Especially for Athletes, sponsored by Coca-Cola. You can learn more about Especially for Athletes by visiting the website at especiallyforathletes.org. You can also learn more about the book, The Sportlight, by Shad Martin and Dustin Smith at especiallyforathletes.org slash book.